welcome you into another edition of Talk at Isles, the New York Islanders' official interview-based podcast. I'm Greg Picker, joined alongside by Corey Wright. This week, for episode number 50, we welcome in P.A. Parento. P.A. Parento played with the Islanders from 2010 to 2012, had a couple of good years with the Islanders, was a guy that had spent a lot of time in the AHL prior to that, and the Islanders really did kind of launch the rest of his career. So got to talk to him about his Islander days, also played with some Islanders in his other stops, spent a couple of years with Semyon Varlamov in Colorado, spent a few years with Michael Grabner elsewhere. So kind of fun to talk to P.A. Parento, not only about his Islanders days, but the Islander teammates he met along the way in his other NHL stops. P.A. ended up playing for eight different NHL teams over the course of his 491-game NHL career, but his career highs were all with the Islanders. 161 games, 38 goals, 82 assists for 120 points. We will take it away with P.A. Parento. Islanders right back into Ranger Ice here. Reese, left wing half wall toward the front of the net. Knocked down, chipped on goal. Save rebound, he scores! P.A. Parento has done it! From the right of the paint, their fourth goal of the period. It is 4-1 Islanders. So, P.A., we have to go back to the uh, the junior days for you in the Quebec Major Junior Hockey League. Because one thing I noticed was that you're actually cousins with somebody who also played for the Islanders at one point, Pierre-Marc Bouchard. And you two got to play with each other in the queue. Are you guys first cousins? We're not first cousins, second cousins. Yeah, we were actually best friends growing up, and we played together. Adam, Pee-wee, Bantam, Midget, Triple-A. Then he got drafted to Shikurimi, and he was probably the best player in the league when he was 16 or 17. He was like a, a hell of a junior player, and he uh, he came and got me out of Moncton pretty much, and, and I joined him in Shikurimi, and we had a tremendous junior career together in Shikurimi, and that's pretty much where everything took up for, for both of us. Yeah, just looking at those numbers, you spent uh, most of your first season in Moncton, 29 points, 45 games, went to Shakutami, 23 points, 28 games. But your second year in the queue when you're playing with uh, with Pierre Mark, 118 points in 68 games. You were ninth in the league in scoring. He was first in the league, 140 yeah. points. Just that chemistry, you, you go, you can credit just playing with him basically your, your entire career growing up. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we were best friend of the ice and it was an amazing time actually he was he was the the, the next big thing I, I was more of a long shot I was more of a, a late bloomer but he uh he was unbelievable he was uh he was ready he got drafted I think in the first round seven or eight overall he didn't play junior long <laughs> he played six, 16 and 17 played 17 18 19 but we did play two seasons together uh it was one of the best time of my life and uh it was it was really awesome to to, to play with him well, P.A., from there, you get drafted by the then Mighty Ducks of Anaheim. And I'm telling you, not a lot of guys can say they still were drafted by the Mighty Ducks. But, you know, I'm looking at your time in Cincinnati, and there are some pretty good names on that team and some pretty oh, good yeah. Islander connections. I mean, the Islander connections will start Mike Motto, Keith Coin, Zenon Kanopka. We'll get into Zenon Kanopka later. And Ilya Brizgalov. But, you know, tell me, what was it like playing in Cincinnati with some of those characters? And Cincinnati was... Uh was an adjustment for me. <laughs> I went from being, uh, playing the queue, uh, you know, it was a little softer hockey and I turned pro pretty quick when I was 20 and I got thrown through the wolves real quick, but we had such a good group of guys. Uh, we had s- probably, I would, that was my first year that you mentioned there, but my second year, the Laukau year, we had so many good players. We had like Chris Kunitz, Jeffrey Lupo, uh, Dustin Penner. I wasn't even like, 
supposed to make it. You know, I wasn't even in the in the discussion. I was playing on the fourth line. I was like, it was it was a tough time for me to, to, to even stay in the AHL back then because we had such a good team. All those guys that were supposed to play in the NHL were down in, in Cincinnati. But but it was two years there. It was uh, it was a big time adjustment. But I did make the adjustment later on, and we moved the, the team moved to Portland, and I had some much better uh, much better seasons down the road after that. But uh, the first two years were definitely uh, like a transition, if I if, if if I like to say. What was the scene like in Portland? Because that's supposed to be one of the, the most beautiful cities on the East Coast. Uh, it was great, actually. It was great in summer, but we weren't really there in summer. <laughs> it was actually pretty, uh, pretty dark and pretty cold in the winter. But uh, again, that squad was amazing. We had Perry and Geslav that came came down for a few stints. Uh, Penner again, Shane O'Brien, Panopka. Uh, we had some legit, legit players. Those years, and, and it was tough to get a call up back then because I had all these guys in front of me and I was battling. But I did put some pretty decent numbers my first year in Portland, my second year. And I think really, I really, really turned a the corner there for my career and, and to even start being noticed by uh, by other teams. Because I knew I was never going to make the NHL with the Ducks. They, they were too good. They were too deep back then. And I finally got traded, I think, my second year in Portland, fourth year pro, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, from there, you're in the Chicago Blackhawks organization and, you know, really just a cup of coffee there at the NHL level because – yeah, you know, I knew you'd played for Montreal and for Toronto and the Rangers, but the Blackhawks thing kind of took me by surprise. So, you know, yeah, I mean, it's only five games, I think. <laughs> but a cup of coffee is a cup of coffee, and I, I got a taste of it, and it really got me going. You know, I, I after that, I did spend more time than I wanted to in Hartford, the, the Rangers farm team. But that cup of coffee, and Denis Savar was my coach. He was one of my idol growing up too. So I was like, kind of, it really light up something inside of me, and I kind of knew I. I, I could play there again. It was tough for me because I was a top six guys and I did, didn't have the, the tools to be on the third and fourth line really. So it was, that's probably why I waited a little longer, but you know what? It's uh, those five games with the Blackhawks and uh, it, it was a journey. It's, it's it was definitely a, a long journey for me in the AHL, but I stuck with it. You know, it's weird to also look back at that game sheet for your first game and a Blackhawks team that does not yet have Jonathan Taves, Patrick Kane, I mean, I'm looking at Peter Bondras on this game sheet, Radim Verbata, Tuomo Rutu. It just feels like a generation ago. It's because it is. <laughs> Literally. Uh, I remember Mario Lapointe was there too. Like, those are some pretty big names. But yeah, it was, uh, I think there was 4,000 people in the building. Uh, those were really dark days in in, uh, in Chicago. And then Patty Kane and John Taves came and pretty much, uh, pretty much switched it around. And they never really looked back since. Since we like to look at the Islander connections wherever they might be, uh, in Chicago you played with a couple of guys, James Wisniewski, Adrian Acoin, and Acoin actually scored a goal in your first NHL game. Even though he's a defenseman and you're a forward, was there anything you may have learned from him during your short time playing with him in Chicago, or, or have you gotten to know him even since then? Adrian Acoin, uh, we had this um, this alumni a couple, like maybe eight months ago, the 50 years in it for the Islanders, everyone was there really. It was awesome. And Adrian was there. And we actually we actually talked about that game in, in Chicago. And you remember me. I remember my time there. He was a great guy. He was one of the funniest guys I ever played with. Uh, even if it was only five games, I remember him on the plane. Uh so yeah, he's a good cat. And you know, it's such a big step between the AHL and, and the NHL. So when when you get there and you're like you're kind of lost and you don't even really have a role yet as a call-up, it's it's always nice to have some good veteran to to cheer you up and to, to show you the ropes. I mean, you talk about that golf because, 
you know, in the AHL, especially your time in Hartford, you're really a standout AHL player. 81 points there your first year, 78. Then you got 45 and 35 games a year after that. Just, you know, I guess at that point when you're that good in the AHL and you're not getting maybe the looks that you're wanting at the NHL level, I mean, how do you just stick with it at that point? They kept giving me one-way contracts. That's why I stuck with it pretty much. Uh, otherwise, I would have been long gone in Europe. Uh, I had offers and I was looking at it hard. But inside of me, there was always this like this fire burning and I knew I could do it. And I promised myself I was going to do it until it was not possible anymore. And I played with fire. You know, it was like maybe another three or four months and I was going to be, I was already pretty much labeled like one of the best AHL player. But uh, I really like had confidence in my game, I had confidence in what I could do. Uh, I was very unlucky too. The Rangers back then, there was no cap. Uh, I had Jagger, Straka, Shanahan. Like it was tough for a guy labeled as an AHL player. Even if you, I was doing everything I could to get a call up, but even there, it was almost impossible with the Rangers back then. And my last year, I was playing really, really good and had a concussion. I was out for a month and I was like, okay, this is it. Like next year, you're up. Here we go. And I came back, I had a hat trick and I got a call in the bus. It was Tortorella. And He's like, yeah, you're coming up. I was like, okay, perfect. And he, was, he kept promising me that, like, at camp that I was going to get a shot. He always liked me. He's like, I think you could play on my second or third line. And I finally got my shot. And I played with uh, Holy Jokinen and Prospo. That was my line. second or third line we're playing the Rangers. I didn't put up that good numbers, but I played a good chunk of games. Like, I think 28, if I'm not mistaken. And I really, like, proved that I could play there. I wasn't producing enough but I was playing pretty good. We missed the playoff by one point against Philly. I went in the shootout. I scored. And that summer after that, this is when the Islanders came into play. I was a free agent. I had a couple offers, but I knew with the Islanders, they had a pretty pretty weak team back then. They had Johnny, they had Molson, but they didn't have much like depth at forward. My agent's like, this is where we're going. This is where you're going to make a name for yourself. This is where you're going to make the team. And he was right. It's <laughs> pretty much what happened. <laughs> yeah, your agent certainly earned his money on on that. Yeah, that one. Yeah. I want. I wanted to go to Arizona. It was, it was really? warmer. He's like. He's like. Pierre, you're not there yet. You're not there yet in your career to base to, to base on the weather. <laughs> <laughs> well, going back to your start of your Ranger career, though, your first game would have been at the Coliseum. So no better way to introduce yourself to Rangers Islanders I, than I scored my first. You goal, scored right? a goal. Yeah, you scored yeah. a goal in that game. Three one Islander win. But, uh, you know, what were your initial impressions of, of Islanders Rangers from that side? And then obviously you got to know it from the other side as well. I got a taste for it right away. <laughs> There's another notch and I'm from, I'm from Canada. Like we all know about all the rivalries in the NHL, but you, you don't really know, like you don't really follow those rivalries. I followed the Montreal Nordique rivalry. Like that's when I, that's what I grew up with. This one's pretty legit. This one's pretty close to it too. Like it's, there was fights in the stands and I was like, this building was dark and it was like, kind of, I was like, what a shitty building this is. <laughs> it was incredible, but it was there was such a good atmosphere. And then when I signed with the Islanders, I really enjoyed the building. Like being on the good side of it, being in the building, like I loved it. Like we would talk, we would talk about like the, the dressing room was not really good. Like it, it kind of stunk in there a little bit, but it, I loved playing there. And I, I had a lot of success my two years there. And and I love the fans. I love the way they responded to, to to me. Like being a long shot and being put on the first line like that for two years, you know. And the fan really, they they really enjoyed me, and I think I enjoyed them as well. And I think I think that really helped me like uh, make a name for myself, my NHL career. 
So now we'll move on to your first year with the Islanders. And in the 2010-11 season, you sign game one. You put up a pair of assists. Looks like you were playing with Doug Waite that game because oh, I guess that would have been on the power play. You had a pair yeah, of power was, play assists. No, I mean, me and Doug, that Doug Waite was involved on. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but just, just chemistry-wise for, for yourself, Matt Molson, John Tavares, and, and even anybody else on the roster like Doug Waite here on the power play, just what worked so well for you immediately with the Islanders? Yeah, it was all power play because I was playing on the fourth line and Scott Gordon didn't like me at all. <laughs> like I was in the doghouse right away. He gave my chest in the power play. I got to put up points, I guess. And I didn't remember starting that hot, but anyways, uh, the relationship wasn't there. And when you don't have a relationship with your coach, it's tough to, especially as a new guy or as a, a guy that was labeled an AHL player, it's, it's, it's tough to, to crack the lineup and, and do justice for yourself. But anyways, long story short, we had a, we had the, one of the worst starts. The, the expectations were kind of there that year, but we had the worst starts. Come back from a trip and we came back from a trip in uh, LA and then he gets fired <laughs> like right away. And I see this new guy coming in and we're like, who's going to be a coach? Who's going to be a coach? And then Jack Capuano shows up and I've been playing against Jack for like literally three or four years in the minors, like big rivalry, Bridgeport, Hartford. So he knows what I can do. Like it's, I'm pretty happy to see him actually. I'm like, maybe this guy's giving me my chance. And uh, he did give me my chance. He gave, he put me on the first line right away. He gave me a good, uh, a good 10 games to, to see what I can do and to see if I was a good fit with the boys. And I think we produced right away. And I think uh, I, I never really looked back. I played with them for two years and it was amazing. It was probably the highlight of my career those two years. I was going to ask you about Cappy and I guess we'll go because mm -hmm. that's, it's pretty interesting. I guess he would have had a lot of familiarity with you from the American league. So different question. Is he the most superstitious person you've ever met in hockey? Yeah, I got to know him pretty good. Usually you don't get to know your coaches that well. You don't, they, they hide, like the relationship is not that personal, but with Cappy, he was such a good, he was such a good guy. He was such a presence and he was like, uh, yeah. And I got to know him and he was very, he was very, very superstitious and, that's probably why I didn't come off the first line that much either <laughs> as well. You know what I mean? Because uh, when things were going well, he'd, he'd like to keep it the same way. And I, and I think for, for players and for offensive guys, I think uh, to have that kind of confidence, to feel that from your coach, it really helps you. But yes, he was the most superstitious coach I ever had for sure. During your time on Long Island, I wanted to know if there were any restaurants that really stood out that you maybe had a, a go-to pregame meal or, or even if it was a night off, the place that you know you had to hit. Yeah, well, we had a few, <laughs> especially me and Zanin Kanapka. <laughs> I don't know if it still exists, but we used to go to Bachi for pregame meal. It's on the corner still there. there. Mm -hmm. Yeah, still there. Yeah, I can't believe this place still standing. Yeah, we would like stuff her face with pasta and chicken and go to bed for three hours and come back and play. You know, that's pretty much what we did. And it was, uh, the staff there was great. They took care of us. It was very familiar and it was, uh, uh, I guess, the generation before us used to go there and they were talking about that and it was kind of, kind of cool. Also, we, we used to go to Cannes quite a bit. I don't know if it's still there right beside it. Yeah. Snow and Cat, you weren't really a fan of that place though. <laughs> I used to spend a lot of time there. My first year I was single uh, and I used to spend a lot, a lot of time there, maybe a little too much, but you know, still worked out, managed. And uh, we, we had, we, we had a great time. We had, we had a good group of guys. It was fun. You, you know, Matt Molson, John Tavares specifically, why do you think that trio worked so well? I mean, you know, everyone knows about what Johnny and he was doing. Uh, it seemed like Molson would just go to the net and kind of was able to you know, really make a career for himself. You know, I guess, what did you think your role was in that line and why did it all come together so well for all three of you? 
Matt Molson was one of the best shooters in the league back. Like in those years, one of the best goal scorer, like eye and coordination was up the roof. Like, but we had a rule, me and Johnny. He wasn't allowed to touch the puck in the neutral zone. <laughs> he was too slow. He would, he would keep it on the right side. I would keep it in the middle and we would use him in the offensive zone. But he was, uh, and Johnny, obviously, Johnny, everyone knows what he could do. I think what we had, me and Johnny, and me, me and Molson as well, I think they enjoyed me because I could I could make plays, like, along the wall. I could hit them in stride, especially Johnny in the zone, and little, little pass under the stick and put him in an area. And, you know, I was I was pretty much 50-50 goal scorer, passer. Same with Johnny, I would say. Obviously, Johnny's an, he's an elite player. I would never compare myself to him, but there was a lot of similarities. Like, I wasn't the fastest guy. But I definitely was more of a passer on that line. Like I was, I was really finding them, and uh, they really helped me out too. Like, you know, I, I had it pretty easy in the AHL for a while, so my compete level was not always where it needed to be to be in the NHL. But playing on that line really motivated me to be like a more of a work workhorse kind of guy. Like to get in the corner, to get my hands dirty, to play for my team, and. Although Johnny was much younger than me back then, he was a very good. He was a good influence for me when it came to that. He made me a better player, a better uh, competitor, if I could say. And we had this chemistry. It was so much fun. Like we didn't have the best team in the league. We were we never made the playoff, but I don't think I've played more in the other zone after that in the NHL. Like we were always in the other zone. Like it was so much fun to play and I had a blast. And I don't think we had that much depth i think that's why we didn't make the playoffs but uh i'm really proud of what i, I accomplished in those two years and it was uh, like i said it was life-changing for me those two years and i'm very very grateful for for long island and what, what it did for me speaking of chemistry with teammates maybe it, it didn't have to be there as much on the ice but off the ice zen and kanapka he was your roommate is that uh is that the truth we, there we, and, and... we we played together in in cincinnati we were good friends and then portland my roommate got traded I was alone and I just moved in with him and we became such good friends. Uh, you know, he also helped me out with being more com- like he added grit to my game. You know, he was because he was that's what he was all about, you know, and he could he could play too. Like in the AHL, he was a good player. He was my center, he was first line center in the, in the AHL. People forget about that. And then he was more of a role guy, fourth line center, a few years playing in the NHL. But uh, yeah, he was great. He was uh, he, he taught me a lot. He's been through a lot of things in his life. Like we, we had a lot of similarities. That's why we connected so much. But he made sure I was competing, and he made sure I was like I had a grit in my game. So he, he was a big part of me and making the AHL for sure. Uh, he's still a good friend of mine to this day. We I saw him at the 50, uh, 50th anniversary of the Islanders, and uh, we had a blast. And you know, we we thought about those stories about cans and uh, to, to try to try to remember that. But it was, uh, yeah, he he was good to me, really good actually. Would your other roommate have been uh, Hoppy, the bunny? Yeah, we had Hoppy for. I wasn't a big fan of Hoppy. It was fucking. It was dirty in the living room, and there's carrots and salad everywhere. I was never. I was never really sold on Hoppy, but yeah, I'm a little superstitious myself, like Cappy. And and the the bunny was around. I was I was feeling it on the ice. I was like, let's keep the bunny around. But I was never really into that bunny. You end up moving on to the Colorado Avalanche for a couple of seasons. And again, Islander connection wasn't at the time, but now Semyon Varlamov would have been your goaltender in Colorado. And he's been with the Islanders now on his fifth season. And Varley in particular at 13, 14 year, your second year in Colorado was one of the best goaltenders in the National Hockey League. What can you say about him? It's the best season. It's the second best season I've seen a goalie have. 
he got us to the playoff. We had no business being in the playoff that year. He was unbelievable. Second best because I played with Carey Price. That's why I say that. <laughs> we also made the playoff because we finished first that year with Montreal because of him. So uh, I'm, I don't think Varley got the best in that year, though, didn't he? I think he, he, he finished was second, sure. if I recall. Yeah, he finished second. Yeah. But it was out of this world. Like, he was great. Colorado was amazing. I personally wanted to stay with the Islanders, but, but, but the gap was too big. And it's unfortunate because I was uh, – I really missed the Islanders those years after that. And I had some really good seasons, though, and like especially my first one in Colorado. I had, that's probably my best season. It's probably better than my two with the Islanders. Then you move on to Toronto, although that season for the Leafs was not really so strong uh, in the standings. You got to play with Michael Grabner. How much fun did you have playing with Grabs? Well, it was nice to see him again. You know, we actually play on. We, sometimes we were switching lines in the Islanders, rarely, but I got to play with Grabs. Grabner left circle, put it in front, redirected in front, they score! P.A. Parento on the redirect, and the Islanders make it a 2 nothing lead with 50.1 seconds remaining in the first. And I got to enjoy his speed and I got to enjoy his personality. So, uh, yeah, he was a really, really good dude. I was glad to have him back with, uh, with Toronto. Toronto was was a good city. Toronto was fun. We we uh, we were pretty much, um, what's the word I'm looking for here? We were trying to get Matthews. That's pretty much what it was, you know, and, and, they, and they did. But I still had fun and I had a really, really good year on the ice. After a, really, after a down year in Montreal, uh, it was nice to prove to myself. I was getting a little older too, so it was nice to prove to myself that I could still like put some points and score some goals. I think I had twenty, so it was uh, it was good, and I really enjoyed my time. And uh, we had a good group of guys too. Although we we knew we had no chance of making the playoffs, we you know you always try and you always make an effort, and you always uh, and the pride always kicks in. If I remember correctly, was that the year that Leo Komarov went to the All Star game? Hey, you got it right. Hey, you have any good Leo that's all, stories? That's all you us? need to know. Yeah. That's all you need to know. <laughs> I mean, Leo's a character. You got any good Leo stories for us? Uh, Leo, Leo's great. He was, uh, we were friends right away. <laughs> like he was, uh, he was a cool cat. He was like, uh, he kept the lighter, the the, he kept the room pretty light, and uh, but he was a competitor, and and uh, I enjoyed playing with him. We we had a pretty decent team. We had Bozak, Kadri. Leo, Leo was playing good hockey. Like he went to the All Star game, but now it was uh, he's a character on the road and in the room. And but the boys really enjoyed him. Well, the following season you spent training camp with the Islanders, but uh, ended up with yeah. the Devils when all was said and done for the start of the season. So continuing the Islanders connections, Kyle Paul Mary led the team in in points that year and in goals. Andy Green was such a a, a great defenseman and an even better human being. So anything you, you took away from your time with the devils and those guys in particular? Yeah, I really enjoyed it. It was fun. Uh, I got to play on, I was playing on the line with Paul Mary and Taylor all for, for probably half the year. And I put some pretty good numbers. I think I was leading the team in scoring at, at some point. And yeah, it was, it didn't know anything about Jersey really. All I remember is going to Jersey with the Islanders and the other teams and just wanted to get out of there as fast as I could. Uh, but I enjoyed it. The, the rink was great. Uh, the fans were nice too. We didn't have a good team again there, uh, but we had Taylor Hall. He was playing unbelievable. Schneider was playing okay too. But it's and and I got I got to play for the three three New York teams too. So I was pretty happy about that. There's only six. I don't know. There's only maybe under ten of us that that got a chance to play with with the three teams. So that was pretty special too. But I was right towards the end there. I was starting to to to, to play on a lot of teams. So it was time for me to hang him up. 
Yeah, I mean, I don't think there's a lot of guys that can look at an Islander Ranger, a Ranger Devil, and a Leafs-Habs rivalry from all different sides. But that's some pretty unique perspective. I mean, how do those Leafs-Habs games really compare to the Islander-Ranger rivalry? They're very similar. Obviously, the the media and leading up to it is a lot bigger with Montreal and Toronto than it is with the Rangers and the Islanders. Uh, the intensity on the ice and rivalry is probably it's probably more like it's probably a bigger rivalry hockey wise, New York Islanders, New York Rangers, than Toronto Montreal because they had never really faced each other in the playoffs. They never like it's 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 a different rivalry. It's more a rivalry created by the media, Montreal and Toronto. There's a lot of like hype and stuff like that, and it never really lives up to it. <laughs> but New York Rangers, New York Islanders, it was violent. It was it was mean. It was personal, and you could really feel it. After your Nashville stint comes to an end and an NHL career comes to a close, you play with yeah Ketteringberg in uh, in the Continental Hockey League. What was uh, that experience like? It was definitely a life experience. Uh, you know, I was hoping I could like Nashville. We went to the Stanley Cup final, but I barely played. So if finished on a sour like sour note a little bit. Like I kind of the writing was on the wall for me. I could see it, but I was kind of hoping to get maybe one other year in the NHL and it never really materialized. So I was ready to hang him up and I was like, okay, I, I don't maybe go play in Switzerland, maybe one year. I was debating stuff and then my agent called me in no, like October, November and I was I I stopped working out and I was just like okay. I was a little frustrated not to get another year because you know I had a good year in Jersey. So I was like, ah, come on, like, just give me one shot, someone. And uh, I could never get it. So in November, my agent called me. He's like, listen, we're almost halfway through the season in, in Russia. And they're paying you, like, a full season just, just to go there and play. And I was like, oh, okay. So I looked at my wife with my kids, and I was like, I'm doing this. You guys aren't coming. Like, this is – it's only going to be two, three months of hockey. I put in my contract that I wanted to play in the Spengler Cup. So leave the team, go play in the Spengler Cup. That was my my deal with them, and my family could come spend Christmas with me in Switzerland because I never I didn't want them to come spend them, spend time in in Russia. And uh, sure enough, I go to Yekaterinburg. It's an hour flight east of Moscow. I get there, no one speaks English. Like we all know the stories, and they're all true. Like it's it's another world completely. It's tough. Like I, it takes me a week or two, and I get the blues, and I'm just like, oh my god, what am I doing here? And I think. Like I'm still frustrating. I'm like, I think I still have NHL NHL hockey in me, and I, and then I get there, and it was the year that the, the non-NHL player could make the Olympic team, so that was my motivation as well to go. They never even looked at me. I had a I had a I had a decent start in Yekaterinburg. Uh, we had a good team. It was fun, but such different different hockey. I was alone too. Like. I was, it, it was really hard. And then uh, after a few weeks, I was like, ah, I want to come back. I just want to come back. But then the money was too good. I was like, I can't come back. I just suck it up and go to the Spengler Cup. They'll see your family there, spend, spend Christmas. But it was like, you couldn't speak to anybody. That's like, I'm a social guy. I like to be with the boys. And I had a couple of Canadians on my team. They were really nice guys. But, you know, I never felt the, the team thing. I never felt part of it. So it was kind of like, and that's where I'm I'm at my best. <laughs> so it, it was it was really hard for me, actually. But definitely a life experience. I've learned a lot. And I was trying to rent an apartment and I couldn't even talk to anyone. So I went to this Hyatt hotel and in those Hyatt hotel, people speak English. So I talked to the manager. He's speaking a little English. And I was like, listen, I'm, I'm here for three months. Just give me a room. I don't care how, how much it costs, but I'm staying here in your hotel. He's like, okay, sure enough. And then I, I got it off easy. Like if I would have stayed in the city in an apartment, like I don't know if I would have made it. Like it was, it, it was really tough. 
Well, I hope you got Hyatt Gold status out of that. I do wear a lot of hotel. Points. I did. I did. I got a golf trip with my with my friends after. I had so many points. It's crazy. <laughs> yeah, I mean that's the perk because Greg and I are definitely yeah. counting the points on the road. You yeah. know, <laughs> after your career, though, I think fans want to know what have you been up to the last couple of years in retirement. I mean, it's been. Uh, I'm in Moncton, New Brunswick. I have a son. Uh, he's ten. I'm coaching his team. I uh, have a few projects on the go, but n- nothing major. I'm enjoying retirement a little bit here. Uh, eventually, I'd like to get back in hockey, uh, but my son's a little young for me to to move out of uh, to move out, and I don't want to I don't want to make those sacrifices just yet. Uh, but eventually, yeah, I'd like to get back in hockey. I did coach a couple of years for the university team in Moncton. I liked it. Uh, then I got out of that. Um, got a few projects on the go. Nothing major, but I'm really enjoying retirement, golfing a lot. Uh, that's that's my my. It's always been my passion. And, you know, so, yeah, pretty much relax. And uh, down the road, I'd like to get back into hockey for sure. All right. Last one from us, since you brought up the Spangler Cup, the tournament that's held in the holiday time in Switzerland every year. What was it like going to play in that tournament? Because it it always just seems like an unbelievable atmosphere. It's great. Hockey Canada is really good, too, with the families and stuff like they really include everybody like it's it's the holidays and you know it's it's a big family affair like you go on the mountain in Davos you spend some time there you like eat some cheese fondue like it's just like a different vibe it was such a different vibe than Russia like I was so happy to be there for like 10 days it was insane but yeah Hockey does it well it's always like older guys like me that are there their last leg you know like so but we have that we have this motivation you want to win for your country it's not the biggest tournament it's not world junior it's not the olympics but there's still a lot of meaning for for canadian hockey players and when you put that jersey on it doesn't matter where you are it's 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 go time and that's why they win this tournament every year there's a lot of passion a lot of fire from from the older guys well pa before i let you go actually you brought up the 50th anniversary and because we're now into the 51st Islanders season. I mean, I want to get a perspective. You were an alumni. The team really reached out and did a lot of celebration of the team's history last year. Just what was that 50th anniversary like for you from an alumni perspective? Yeah. I mean, I've done two of those in a matter of like seven months. Like Mr. Ledecky is not, is not screwing around. Like it's, it's so, so cool. And he does it so right. And we get treated like NHL, like literally NHL players for like two or three days. And, Anybody that played a game for the Islanders is invited. You know, it's, there's no, there's no cutting corners. There's no drawing the line in sand. It's, it's just amazing. Like he doesn't have to do that. And uh, he, he, you see the legends, and you see the guy that played one game, and everyone's having a good time, and he brings everyone together. And I think it says a lot about this organization now. Uh, you know, that that organization came a long way, and, and I'm excited for myself. And not that it was bad, bad when I played, but that's how you attract free agency. That's how you like. That's how you make a good name for yourself. And players, players want to come play on the island. They got probably the best rank in the league right now. And, you know, just that is going to change everything. Now, they, like, I, I'd like to see them take another step on the ice. Uh, you know, I think they have the tools. I think they have the, the coaching staff. I think they, they have a lot of things. It's a big year for them this year. And I'd like to see them uh, compete at a higher level and, and to, to, to make a step in the right direction. Yeah, we hope to see you at another alumni weekend in a few months. And we really thank you for for sharing all your memories in uh, not just the NHL, not just with the Islanders, but uh, throughout your entire hockey life. Thank you very much. Thanks for having me, guys. It was fun.
Well, thank you again for joining us on another edition of Talking Isles. Please make sure to subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you might listen. You can follow us on Twitter. I am at Greg Picker here. And I am at Rightsway. You can follow all the latest info about the team on Twitter at NY Islanders and stay up to date on UBS Arena at ubsarena.com. A big thank you to our producer, Rachel Lusher, and to WRAQ at Hofstra University. And we'll see you next time on Talking Isles.